Queer Business Success, the podcast for LGBTQIA business owners, aspiring entrepreneurs, coaches, caregivers, and the allies who love our community. We tell the stories of why our businesses were formed, who we serve, our challenges and successes, and we offer sound advice to our fellow queer entrepreneurs. Our hope is to inspire, enlighten, and highlight the services that our LGBTQIA businesses and allies offer. If we can do this, so can you. We believe that we need more LGBTQIA business owners, not only for our community, but for a better world. Here's our host, Anne-Marie Zanza. Hey, it's Emery Zanzel here. Welcome back to another episode of Coming Out and Beyond. I'm so excited to welcome Mistress Cass back to the show today. She is the intersectional educator, therapist, and scientist from San Antonio, Texas. She is a queer polyamorous slut who aims to advocate for sex-positive cultural practices in all settings. She works as a therapist for a ReSpark Therapy Foundation and provides education and trainings on various mental health health, relationship health, and sexual health topics to diverse individuals and healthcare professionals. Mistress Cass, welcome back for the second time on the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. It's good to have you. So if you want to learn a little bit about Cass's story and her own queer story, please listen to the episode before this one. So Cass really specializes in polyamorous um, relationships as well as kink. And so we never, we were had such a great conversation last time we didn't get to kink. And so now here we are. And so if you want to know a little bit more about her story and where she's coming for, please listen to the episode before this. But now let's talk about kink. All right, Cass, what is kink? So kink is kind of what people think of as that like BDSM thing, which Mm -hmm. is that, you know, bondage, domination, submission, that spicy kind of stuff. But kink is more of a larger umbrella term that encompasses all sorts of like alt sexual relationship styles. So, you know, things from like furries all the way to like BDSM kind of stuff. I have found that when people come out later in life, that a lot of times they really get involved in kink culture for a while. Can you talk a little bit about the barriers to kink culture at first? And then what happens for people as they enter into the into the culture, which I'm sure has rules and regulations, or does it? I don't even know. I'm not really involved in that culture too much, except for light mm-hmm. stuff. So I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, first, it's not always a culture thing, lifestyle thing. Sometimes it's just bedroom stuff. And if that's where you want to keep your kink, that is absolutely fine and valid. But yes, I am from more of the lifestyle culture uh, of kink. And when it comes to getting involved in that, there's some issues. Uh, it, we, we don't have it as public facing sometimes because of all the stigma wrapped up in kink. It wasn't long ago that sadism was like at that valid diagnosis for a mental health disorder. And so, you know, we still try to like move past that, but we still deal with stigma and trying to keep ourselves safe. So, you know, there are ways to get involved in the culture lifestyle of kink, but they're just a little more below the surface sometimes. But one of the great things about like being gay or queer and kinky is like a lot of the kink circles in America anyway, or founded within queer culture. So you might coming from that end, you might find more 
easily accessible kink stuff than maybe your normal uh, cishet kind of couple that you think of. (laughs) Okay. So first of all, you mentioned sadism. And so I, I think I know what you mean. Can you say a little bit more about that? So sadism, uh, my definition, would be much more about pain as erotic. Sadism is the giving pain. Masochism is the receiving pain usually. But it can also not just be pain. It can be intense sensation in general. Sometimes people are like, oh, I'm a tickle top. And they consider that sadism. It's like any other label. You can kind of feel it out for yourself, see what it defines for you. People most typically, though, think about a sadist as someone who likes to give pain to others. But it's Mm -hmm. almost always in my world, super consensual, negotiated beforehand. There's even aftercare to make sure you come down safely. So if you're somebody who is like, gosh, I'm really curious about this. Like, Mm -hmm. like, how do you even start exploring that? Like, like, do you find Facebook groups? I mean, what do you, how do you even start to explore? Okay. So let me ask you when people first come out in the queer community, there is the vestiges of compulsory heterosexuality where they think it's sometimes it's just about sex. And then as they start to move along in the journey, they're like, oh, wait a minute. This is so much more than mm-hmm. who I go to have, who I have sex with or who I go home with at night. So when somebody is new to the community, they're like, oh, but this is drawing me and I'm going towards this. What are like, first of all, one, how do they find community? Like, mm-hmm. how do you find other people that are, you know, have, you know, are open to exploring this part of sexuality? So the number one resource location on, on the internet for kink culture and community is fatlife.com. But like any social media sort of platforms, there's extreme negatives and extreme positives. You know, don't necessarily, I would not recommend using fetlife.com to like explore what your kinks are. I mostly recommend it as a way to find in-person or online classes in your local area or, you know, over Zoom. There's a great event listing option within FetLife. So you can find that kind of stuff. You can peruse the pictures people post, the writings they post all that kind of stuff, but you might get like into a rabbit hole where you don't want to be. (laughs) Um, Or something could really disturb you, which is not something that you're into. So when you mention, so, okay. So there's fetlife.com, which I'm assuming is fetlife.com, right? Yeah. Like fetish. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I was like, first, when you said it, I'm like, what is she? And then I was like, oh, it's fetish. (laughs) Or it's fatlife.com. So that's just, and so what I hear you saying is that if somebody's like sort of curious about this is to like, just go and see what classes are offered and see, is there a proof besides yourself? Are there other people that talk about this that you really trust and you think is somebody for a beginner or someone who's mildly curious about this? Yeah, I have a few uh, colleagues that I really respect and admire, and they all have their different niches. If you're curious about rope, especially Japanese style rope or an artistic way of looking at rope bondage stuff, mm-hmm. Midori, like the alcohol, the green alcohol, Midori. Mm-hmm. Um, she is fantastic. Um, and, and kind of like old, like has been around in the long scene time. for a long time. Very experienced, more broad categories of things. Sunny Megatron is pretty great. 
she's pretty awesome. And then like, there's a group, a collective that does classes from various educators, but it's very much more focused on like relationships and mental health within kink and that kind of stuff. Pragmatically kinking is the group that I really enjoy. Okay. So when, before we got on, we were, and I think I mentioned this already is that I found when, when I work with people later in life, and also when I was like a newbie myself, I did see a lot of people like they really gravitated towards kink and they've joined these kink groups. Sometimes when people come out as queer, they are often have a lot of shame at first. Is there any tie to that shame that people may feel in kink? Or is it Or is it, am I misreading the situation? So I think it's more, you know, correlation versus causation kind of thing. I think there's a big correlation between someone maybe exploring their gay side and and they're, you know, relating to also exploring kink or even like polyamory too. Mm -hmm. It's once you get used to thinking about things in a more non-traditional, open, honest, authentic way you're a little more likely to explore other things too. It makes a lot of and sense. I, yeah, I think that's why we also see a lot of neurodivergent folks in kink too. Uh, it's not necessarily that if you're neurodivergent, you're kinky. It's more that you're just so used to thinking about things in a slightly different way that why not consider this other thing? <laughs> well, that's really interesting because you find a lot of neurodivergent people in the queer community as well. And I think that makes a lot of sense. I never really thought about it that way that they just start, you know, because you think about things differently. So you're like, eh. I'll think about this differently. Might as well <laughs> see. Yeah. <laughs> so somebody like you talk about about kink lifestyle and like a, a kink way of thinking. Can you? So mm-hmm. this is this is sounds like it's like you've gone down this road for a while, and mm-hmm. you realize that it's more than just sexual play for you. It's more than just stuff in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. What does that mean for you? So for me, it means kink is kind of a relationship orientation for me, kind of like my polyamory is a relationship orientation and my queer, bisexual, pansexual nature is a sexual orientation. There's similarities there. Um, This is part of who I am. I I can't not have like some sort of kinky dynamic in my relationships. And even if there isn't like power exchange, which is like my main thing, Mm -hmm. I still need someone who was like familiar with those tweaks and inner things of kink culture so that like they flow with me. (laughs) Right. Right. And so when you say kink culture, like what, like, what do you, I mean, so you said it's like an orientation towards you, like, just like, you know, your sexual orientation and polyamory orientation. So if somebody is living what is called like a kink lifestyle, what do you mean by that? So do you mean it's that just you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it could be two things. Uh, for me, it's both. You know, it can be outside the bedroom, meaning their relationship is steeped in kink. So it's not just part of their sexy times. It is everything in their relationship. But kink culture can also mean community. I am steeped in community, uh, kink community. I really enjoy the way people think, but I, the reason I really identify with kink community and I've made it my home is how focused a lot of these people are on consent. And I really enjoy being around people who just make it an active process to talk about consent. It's not as usual as it should be. (laughs) 
So what I hear, so what I hear you saying is that like a lot of times in, especially in hetero relationships and sometimes in queer relationships, we don't talk a lot about consent. We don't, mm -hmm. which is basically, I, I would assume what you mean is asking permission before you do something. Is that what you yes. mean? Consent? Well, it, that's the simple definition. Um, okay. I have my own definition that is more about that consent is a process of aligning thought, feeling, and sensation. So it's a little more than just making sure we're clear on like, this What's is okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole process. Can you say more about that? Well, yeah, it's, it's not just, you know, are you okay? Yes. Well, you don't really know that like what is okay in your mind, what you're thinking about is what you're asking about is the same thing that's in their mind. You might be using different language, different body language, different uh, nonverbal communication things and coming from different cultural point of views and like identities that even if you're using the same words as the other person might, you're not necessarily aligned. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely get that because like when someone says, oh, I feel so bad today, I say, I say to them, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by what, how, why you, what you feel bad? Because just because you say that doesn't mean I know what you're talking about. Is that what like pretty much yeah. what you're saying? Yeah. I get that. Yeah. yeah, we need to be able to understand that we're on the same page, not just for like the risk reduction point of view of kink and BDSM, mm -hmm. but also like we want to have more fun mm -hmm. <laughs> and to have fun. We need to make sure we're like, you know, have the same goals, the same dreams. We understand each other's uh, no goes uh, and all that kind of stuff. So what are different types of kink casts? So mine, it. The one I enjoy the most is power exchange, female led relationship kind of structure. Sometimes it's total power exchange where it's more of a like 24 seven dynamic. Sometimes it's just, you know, bedroom stuff. And that can be all the different role play things that come to your mind, like, mm -hmm. you know, different power structures in society and you're replicating them in a different way in the bedroom or in a sexy way or in a sensual way, not even sexy. And, you know, those are fun to explore. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it can be fun to explore these dynamics that are sometimes almost oppressive when mm -hmm. you know you're with one that is not trying to oppress you. <laughs> Say more. What do you mean by that? Say more about that. So, for example, my name is Mistress Cass. Some people might take mistress or master as something that is like historically traumatizing for them or their culture. That's also why I don't make people call me mistress you can call me mm -hmm. just cast and that's absolutely fine I don't want to like hurt you in any sort of way but for some people embracing something in a like what kind of similar how like the queer culture has adopt readopted the word queer because yeah. now we're like taking it back from be yeah. being absolutely kind of like that in a way mm -hmm. yeah. so it's a way of yeah taking back the power in a sense by reclaiming a word that used to be a, you know, a negative had a real negative connotation to that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, people do it in different sorts of ways, you know, things like things that typically scare you, maybe, maybe it's clowns, <laughs> maybe you don't like clowns, but you, when it comes to an idea of like doing a kinky, sexy thing with a clown, it's like, Oh, I, I hate it, but I love it. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, that might be something that is fun to explore, even though normally you'd be like, Ooh, <laughs> So does that, so if you talk about BDSM, are you talking about more of the D then with the dom? So first of all, like, I, I think it's, I would say bondage, domination, domination, is it? 
Yes. So bondage, domination, the S stands for submissive or sadism. And then it can also count for slave too. And then the M is master masochism as well. They, okay. they have dual, dual words for them. Okay. So when somebody gets into being king culture, where often do they start? So I think it starts with more casual viewing of different things and reading of different things, things like following an Instagram account of like a more popular educator or collective of educators or a sex positive brand, like a condom brand or something that that's kind of how people start or porn. Porn is the number one sex educator in this world, unfortunately. That's <laughs> uh, what do you think about that? <laughs> I like I have, porn is like, oh, bad. <laughs> Some of it. Some of it, right. Yeah. Uh, I think there's definitely definitely ethical porn out there. There there is porn that where the, the workers are artists. They and they're educated on what they're doing, they're educated on risk reduction for it. And they like don't perpetuate harmful things necessarily. There is ethical porn out there, uh, especially when it comes to kink and gay queer porn too. Like we've mm-hmm. started to take over the sex worker industry in a like more ethical minded way. So like if you start like, you know, go to the Instagram accounts, start looking up different things like, ooh, get you're starting to get curious about different things. The next point, maybe even before going to FetLife is to like pay for more ethical porn that is within the niches you kind of want to explore. So that you, I guess, to see if it sort of works for you. Would, would you say yeah. that? Yeah. Be, yeah. It's fantasy. That. It's fantasy. Like, and what? you don't necessarily have to go for visual porn. You can do the erotica thing. That That's well, just as good. <laughs> every lesbian, like lesbian, lesbian porn that you see is not lesbian sex at all. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. Like, yes, they mimic some of the stuff, but it's not how, especially tip number one, nails are never that long. Just not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're just yeah. not. Because when, women who make love with other women use their hands and their fingers and you can't mm-hmm. have super long nails if you're going to make love to somebody with in a very intimate way like that. And so like when you see lesbian porn, you always see the women with these super long nails and it's like, yeah, that's not really how it goes. <laughs> And that's why sometimes erotica is a better starting place to, or, or at least more of an explorative thing. Like if you rely more on your imagination, you have a strong fantasy life in your own head. Erotica written porn is absolutely fine. And, and a lot of the time too, it's um, you can find more niches and, and more like different things and different lengths of the writing either, <laughs> like, you know, whatever you have time for. Yeah. And also erotica lets you use your imagination, which is like you, like mm-hmm. the people that you, like you're imagining may look a different way. And then if you saw it on a screen, it might be a different thing. And so like the, what it's wonderful about uh, erotica is that you're a participant in it in a way, because you're able to like use your imagination to fill in the gaps that the writer has left out, like maybe not describing how the person looks or something like that, you know? So my next question is, is that shame? Like Mm -hmm. people are curious about these things. And like, it's so funny because I'm like, in the beginning of this, and we may still cut this, I have to think about it, because I said very, oh, light bondage, and then I'm like, oh my god, I have my fortress, <laughs> and we may still cut this, I'm like, oh, do I want my kids to know about that, you know, and do I want to share that with them, but also, too, like, when people, like, are sort of curious about this, 
but they have the wall of guilt and or shame that's preventing them. What, what's your advice? Yeah. So first I would say like, that's pretty valid. Everyone struggles with shame or guilt around something. And in this society, we are very sex negative overall. So Mm -hmm. taboo sex, even worse. (laughs) And so it makes sense, right? That you would have a little bit of that, like, even if it's not conscious, you might have an unconscious like discomfort with the topics because Mm -hmm. of just where you come from and that being a risky thing to talk about or be into. If you have decided though, that, you know what? The shame thing is a little dumb. I'm going to move past it. You know, there's various different ways you can start taking like live classes where, and you don't have to like ask questions. You could be silent. You could be the wallflower where you just think and you process for yourself and push yourself to explore different things in a safe sort of environment. You can even do it via Zoom and change your name, not put your camera on. So you're Mm -hmm. kind of anonymous, but, you know, still ask a question here and there if you want to. Then there's also, you know, you could get a therapist or someone who's more like a, a shame reduction or a pleasure coach. Those are out there, but also like think about maybe where your shame comes from. Is it body shame? Is it pleasure shame? Is it sex negative shame in general? You know, a lot of times when I'm working with people, a lot of their shame comes from a very like puritanical Christian fundamentalist upbringing where mm-hmm. all sex, all pleasure is dead, no go. And they just have to kind of think about relearning that it it's okay to want to have pleasure in your life, even if it's non-sexual stuff. A lot of people struggle with that, but like there are lots of groups out there. There's lots of different classes out there coaches, educators, therapists that can help you go through those topics uh, if you decide that's what you want. (laughs) Okay. So if you're trying to like, say, you're like, you know what, I really have to go to a a, a therapist to really talk, work through my shame of my conservative religious upbringing, because that's like where all my sexual, I was raised Catholic. So, you know, (laughs) it's sex is bad in Catholicism, Mm -hmm. you know, it's bad. doesn't matter. matter. It's just bad. And so- Mm -hmm. If you're like saying, okay, I'm going to go work with somebody. One of the biggest problems with finding a good therapist is that some of them aren't very good. And some of them have unexplored sexual shame, unexplored homophobia, all kinds of things. They think they're able to do it, but they're not. How do you Mm -hmm. find, what are some of the questions? Okay. One, how do you find a good therapist or coach? Mm -hmm you through these things if you're really really intent on doing the work and two mm-hmm. if you find somebody what are some great questions to ask yeah so I belong to an association um, and like my professional alliance belongs to this association um, and they have a provider directory the association is called ASECT A-A-S-E-C-T which is the American Association of Sexuality Educators Coaches counseling therapists it's all that kind of like any sex positive sexual health based professional and they have a provider deck directory that and i think you can like go by subspecialty even in that go to asec to see if you can find someone in your area within your niche we have lots of people that have this sort of shame reduction sort of mentality about sex in general and there's many other organizations and associations out there, but you know, ASECT is you know the one I recommend. There's also the National Coalition for Sexual Freedom. They have a kink-aware professionals directory, and that 
is a good directory if you are looking for specifically like kink aware sort of people, even if that's not your niche, you just want to make sure, you know, they're okay with that because, you know, you're, you have some other thing that might be a good place to go. So when you meet this person, what kind of questions should you ask them? I think it's important to ask where they come from theoretically about sex or whatever your sub issue might be. So, you know, how do you approach this XYZ thing? Or, you know, it's okay to even ask your counselor therapist where they come from culturally. It's not super common in like basic counseling and therapy for a counselor to be honest about their culture, like to disclose that. It's becoming more and more common because we are starting to be more aware that like we all have our cultural bias and we want to make sure that like our clients are empowered to call us out on our BS if they need to, but also like make sure we're attuned (laughs) and aligned on things. But you can ask that. You can ask where someone's come from professionally, culture-wise. Don't think that that's like a bad thing to ask. They might say no, but like, then you might know that that's not the right person for it. Right. And so if they set a boundary that they're like, I'm not going to talk to you about that, then you can also say a boundary, set a boundary and then I'm not going to work with you. And if you can't just yes. give me the basics of that. So when you say issue, Cass, what do you mean by that? Like when you're saying issues, because to me, I'm just going to say that sounds like, oh, there's something wrong with me. And I know you're not saying that. So when no. you say issues, what do you mean? Usually when I say issues, it's whatever you're struggling with. And that's not necessarily a negative it could even be a strength of yours. You're just not sure how to apply that strength kind of thing, um, you know, and it's just a little for you at the moment. So you need a little help on how to, you know, figure out how to apply that strength or weakness even. It can be a disorder. It could be, you know, a condition. It can be any of these other things too, but you don't need a diagnosis or a like issue that's labeled in the DSM, the mental health manual to get therapy or counseling or coaching. You, you can just be like, hmm, I'm struggling in this area. I, w- I could use some help. <laughs> right, absolutely. And so how do people find you? If somebody is like, oh, I need to talk to her. <laughs> how do they find you? Mm-hmm. And how do they reach out to you? So I go by Mistress Cass, Cass with one S, C-A-S, on most platforms. I have a link tree that is boldly Cassandra, my name spelled out, um, because I you know, put my, all my stuff underneath there. You can find Mistress Cass, uh, Intersectional Mistress Cass on YouTube, Mistress.Cass on Instagram. And if you want to reach out, get some coaching or mentoring or consulting, uh, you can always email me at boldlycassandra at gmail. Thank you, Cass. Is there anything that I didn't ask that you would really like to answer? <laughs> Um, I think I just want to state that I tend to come from a perspective that most people are queer or kinky or like alt in some form or manager. So if you are like new to exploring kink, don't think that you're like just a weirdo. Like maybe you are, but we're all weirdos. I love that. Well, Cass, thank you so much for spending an additional half an hour with me to talk about this very, you know, important subject and really like enlightening us and letting us know a little bit more about what a kink is. And and if somebody's curious that they're able, there's lots of different venues they can go and explore it in a safe and healthy way. So thank you. Right, right. Thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Queer Business Success, the podcast that highlights LGBTQIA businesses. 
New episodes are published regularly on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other listening platforms. Wherever you're listening, take a moment to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Are you an entrepreneur who's also queer? Want to share some of your wisdom and experience with the rest of us? We'd love to have you on the show. Just click the link in the show notes to apply to be a guest. Until next time, queer friends and allies, keep taking care of business.